Episode 77 of Monster Kid Radio with a little of the beloved Invaders. This is from their album Tamarindo, and the song is Tamarindo. You can find out more about them over at thebelovedinvaders.com. There's a reason why I'm playing them on this week's episodes of Monster Kid Radio, and we'll get to that in a minute. Oh yeah, it's Monster Kid Radio, the podcast devoted to the classic and sometimes not so classic genre cinema of yesteryear. I'm your host, Derek M. Cook. I'm excited that you're here this week because we have an interview with a filmmaker by the name of Dennis Vincent. Now, Dennis was involved with the documentaries The Witch's Dungeon, 40 Years of Chills, and The Aurora Monsters, the model craze that gripped the world. These are great documentaries, and now he's turning his eye to making a narrative film. And because he's a monster kid like us, he's taking a look at a John Agar film from 1967 called Night Fright. In this film, John Agar plays Sheriff Clint Crawford, and it's up to him and a few others to help defend this small Texas town from a mutated monster running around, causing all sorts of panic and chaos, and doing whatever it is that monsters do in the late 60s B-movies. I like that movie. It's a guilty pleasure. No, it's not particularly well made. It's pretty low budget, and it does show its seams, but John Agar is just so darn sincere, and John Agar rules. So you know it's enjoyable, and Dennis Vincent loved that movie so much that he's decided to take a crack at remaking, or at least making a film inspired by this movie. His upcoming movie is called The Cosmic Creature, and we're going to talk a little bit about The Cosmic Creature with him after we talk about his background and his past and what led him to being a monster kid and wanting to make a movie inspired by one of the not so classic genre films of yesteryear. Now, the reason we're playing the beloved invaders is because the beloved invaders is actually going to appear in his film. Come back in a couple of days for the next episode and you'll actually hear one of the songs that will appear in the film soundtrack because they're actually playing it in a scene in the movie. You'll get to hear Tamarindo in its entirety at the end of this episode. Of course, follow the link to their website over in our show notes over at monster kid radio Net. Also at our website, you're going to find all the other things that we've got going on, our YouTube channel, our Live 365 channel, our Flickr album, and our contact information. Our contact information is monsterkidradio at gmail.com, or our phone number is 503-479-5657. That's 503-479-5MKR. If you need to get a hold of me about anything we've talked about on any of the episodes, all 77 of them, of Monster Kid Radio. Feel free to drop me a line, and maybe we'll do a feedback episode down the line again like we have in the past. We also are on Facebook. We have both a page and a group on Facebook. If you join the group, you can chat it up with other listeners and fans of Monster Kid Radio between episodes or even while you listen. But there is a page, and as of this recording, we have 260 likes on our Facebook page. We just hit 250 not too long ago. I mentioned something on Facebook. We got 260 I would love for us to try to hit 300 likes of our Monster Kid Radio Facebook page by the end of the month. If we can do that, well, that's just kind of awesome. Something else that would be just kind of awesome is if we can get 50 reviews in the iTunes store. And I'm talking honest reviews. I'm not just looking for a handout five-star review, although we do love those too. We're looking for 50 honest reviews in the iTunes store. As of this recording, we have 40. 
Here's the deal. We get to 50 honest reviews in the iTunes store, and I'm going to do a Creature from the Black Lagoon spinoff kind of thing. Already have some content recorded, have some ideas for some future content. Would love to get that going as part of the Monster Kid Radio Network if we can get to 50 reviews in the iTunes store. Of course, we can also be found on Stitcher and a number of other podcast directories. We appreciate all the support and all the reviews that we've received from all of the listeners. We also appreciate the support that Dorado Films has given Monster Kid Radio. Last week, we had an interview with an actor by the name of Roger Brown. Roger Brown played Argo Man in the film Argo Man, the Fantastic Superman. This is one of my favorite movies, period. It's cheesy, it's fun, it's campy, it's Euro Spy, it's superhero, it's sexy, it's just a fun film. Dorado Films hooked us up with a copy of the movie to give away to one of the listeners of Monster Kid Radio. You have to go back and listen to episode number 75 to find out how you can enter. The deadline is tomorrow night, March 5th, for you to enter the drawing for this DVD. Episode 75 is an interview with Roger Brown, so it's an enjoyable episode anyway if you haven't already listened to it. And if you have, well, you already know how you can enter. So get your entry sent if you want to get a copy of the DVD, courtesy of Dorado Films. You can find out more about them over at DoradoFilms.com or follow the link in the show notes. The other piece of business that I want to go ahead and mention, now I don't have an official Facebook event set up yet. However, March 20th is the final film in the Cinescopio series here in Portland, Oregon. If you're in the Portland, Oregon area, you need to go to the Hollywood Theater March 20th for another Santo film. This is Santo versus the Monsters. And if it's the film that I think it is, it's Santo and Blue Demon fighting Frankenstein's monster, Dracula, a bunch of vampire women. It's just going to be awesome. I've seen that movie before, and I hope that's the one, because it'll be on the big screen. Never had a chance to see it on the big screen with a group of like-minded individuals. There will be a panel with real-life luchadors after the film as well. Keep an eye out on Facebook for the event that I'm going to be creating for that. Now, if you can't make it to this Monster Kid Radio crash, don't worry. I bring my recorder with me every time I go somewhere like this. I record at the show, and we're going to put it on a future episode of Monster Kid Radio. I want to go ahead and get to part one of our chat with filmmaker Dennis Vincent. But first, a few words from another podcast, and you're going to hear some music from the audio of the film Night Fright. And then we're going to roll into Dennis Vincent. Hang on tight. Hi, this is Ruby. And I'm Hater. And we host the Mimiverse Bonfire Podcast. A podcast based on Christopher R. Mim, a Minnesota filmmaker who's got eight films under his belt, soon to be nine. And they're all 1950s-style black-and-white movies. The podcast revolves around actors, the making of the films, and various other little fun bits. And technicians. <laughs> you can find us at SaintEuphoria.com. Or like us on Facebook. That would be the Mimiverse Bonfire Podcast. Hope you tune in. like to welcome to Monster Kid Radio a filmmaker by the name of Dennis Vincent. Before I reached out to him, I didn't even realize that I had one of the DVDs that he was involved with in my DVD collection. He's one of the co-directors of the Aurora Monsters, the model craze that gripped the world. But I reached out to him because he's remaking a John Agar film. 
Dennis, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. So can you tell us a little bit about your background? Yes, I could. Uh, it really didn't start in film. Actually, my background is actually in, in uh, painting. I was actually a painter and sculptor and have a BFA in that. And eventually I wanted to make instructional art videos. I thought I would do that. Oh. And that led to me uh, wanting to hone my skills before I actually started. And I wanted to do... Um, Something that would help me, so I wanted to do it like a 20-minute documentary, and I happened to know uh, Cortland Hall. I met him, and I wanted to do a documentary on his Witch's Dungeon, and uh, 20 minutes led to two hours, eventually, after about a year's work, and eventually we started doing conventions. We did conventions together and to help promote the, uh, the movie and the documentary. It just kind of went from there. I just kind of really got the bug for uh, really enjoying a lot of the horror films. Um, I watched them as a kid. But mm-hmm. I didn't. I w- didn't watch a lot of films. It wasn't until much later on. I always wanted to do film, but it was kind of unreachable. Uh, I think for most people because of the cost. And it wasn't until I think I think the 90s or so that you, that you started getting you know these you know nonlinear editing systems that made it possible for us, and the cost came down. So it became a way to do it. So that's kind of how I started. You know, like a lot of other independents who did that. It just kind of went from there. You cut your teeth on the documentary, The Witch's Dungeon, which is a great documentary. Yeah. Uh, I enjoyed well, that you. one. Yeah. W- when you got involved with this project, was you said you caught the bug. That was pretty much it for you. You were like, okay, I'm making a movie now. This is where I want to go. Uh, yeah, I wanted to continue. Cause I think most people that start off doing independent work, I think documentary feels easy for them. It feels like an easier thing to do than to do a narrative piece. And uh, and that's kind of where I started. I figured I, I could be in control. You know, you don't have to hire actors. Just a matter of kind of taking your time and, you know, getting gathering information, <laughs> interviews, that kind of yeah. thing. It's a lot of work. It really is a lot of work. You actually don't think it is and to actually do it uh you have there's there's a lot you know involved in that but it, it was a way of you know starting it, that i first started so i went from that then we went into another documentary uh which was the aurora monsters that one was the second one but after that i kind of wanted to go and you know do narrative pieces is really what i wanted to i think really wanted to do so that's what i'm doing now <laughs> i'm going to be doing monster movies so yeah well, I was going to say the Aurora Monsters had the bits with Zachary kind of leading into and talking about and guiding the documentary. So you had a little bit of narrative there, but now you're more focused on narrative is yeah. what I'm going to do from now on. Yeah, that's okay. true. Actually, we did. And we had Zach. And actually, it's funny because actually that was uh, something that I actually was just thinking of having Zachary just do voiceover. But it was actually Cortland's idea to kind of have him in there as, you know, as an added thing to actually visually have him there. Bill Diamond had created sets for that. We had went to his studio, and he did a great job uh, in, in creating a, a set for Zachary. And uh, Zach was, was great. I mean, he was there. We had him there a long time. Uh, but, you know, he was a trooper, and, uh, he, you know, and uh, we just had fun. We had a lot of fun uh, doing that segment and uh, putting it together. It added something, you know, to – it, it wasn't mm-hmm. a typical documentary, <laughs> it, uh, but we added a little bit of narrative and uh, and then a little bit of documentary to, you know, to the information that we had from people we interviewed. I mean, it was great. We had James Obama, who had never been interviewed before. He had been interviewed before, but he turned down so many interviews, he wouldn't be interviewed. I think there was something – he was told us something like he had did something for, it was like 60 minutes or someone like that. They were there all day long. And this was way back in the 70s, I think. And, and he said that there was like a small sound bite that he ended up doing. So they trampled through his house and they were there all day. So he said, I'll never do another interview. 
again, and he didn't. He, oh, he's wow. turned down everyone. He turned like you know, Good, Good Morning America. He's turned down everyone, and people were just shocked. And they said, "How did you get the interview with him?" And I actually came through. Uh, if you know Roger Castle, I think the, the guy who designed the the shark, uh, the Jaws poster for Jaws. Okay. Okay. He knew James Bond, and through him, actually, how we got contact. He'd urge us to send the Witch's Dungeon documentary to him first so that he could see the quality that, you know, these weren't just sound bites, that we actually allowed the speaker to go on at length, whatever they wanted to talk about. And actually, we, we cut ourselves out from asking questions. So it was just the viewer. We'd prompt them, and they would just sort of restate the question. And that's how we conducted an interview. So it gave them more time. And uh, so when he saw the documentary, he called us up. And actually, we were in California doing a lot of interviews out there. And we were already across country because we, we lived in Connecticut. But we drove all the way to California to do interviews there with uh, people like Julie Adams and Leonard Bolton. And I think Mark Hamill was another one. We did interviews with a lot of people. And uh, mm-hmm. we came all the way back to Connecticut. And that's when, and James Bama lives in Wyoming. And he gave us a call like two weeks out, or a week after we were home. And he said, yeah, I'll do the interview. So we had to drive all the way to Wyoming to do the interview, we could have done it out here because he came through Colorado. But we said we have to do this, you know, since he turned down, you know, everyone. This was like a lifetime chance. So we went out there, and he was extremely nice and uh, did a great, great interview with him. And that was exciting. And uh, then later on, we, we uh, got a hold of Andrew Yanches, uh, who was, I think, the project designer. I'm trying to, I'm trying to think my memory back, but I think it's what he was. He was a production designer for the for Rara model kit back in the 60s when they were doing that. So we got all him. He knew Ray Myers. He said, Ray Myers is still around. He's the sculptor. You know, he had designed uh, the sculpture for um, Rider Frankenstein, mm-hmm. and he did uh, Godzilla, I think. And he also did Gitra, I think, which was the other one. And there was a couple of others, but I think his son said there was other ones he designed, but he, he just didn't want to say that if he knew for sure because his memory had kind of... He's done so many sculptures, he couldn't remember. But uh, we got an interview with him. We went all the way to, I think, Pennsylvania for that one. And we were so excited to have that. But that sort of generated a lot of interest. Uh, a lot of people started, you know, asking us, oh, wow, this, you know, sounds really good. So we, you know, uh, got some interviews in some of the mag, you know, some of the monster magazines. And it generated a lot of interest. And uh, rightly so, because, you know, a lot of people hadn't, didn't even know about <laughs> these people were still around. Some of them, you know. Sure. And, and that really kind of where it went. That's kind of how it went. Now, you said that you had watched some of these movies as a kid. Were you building your horror models as a kid, or did you have a horror host that you uh, watched or anything like that? No, you know, actually, I grew up in Denver. I actually left when I was oh, okay. 23. I moved out to New England. I lived in New York City as well. And then I moved back just about three years ago. So I've been here back. But there was somebody who told me that there was a, a, a horror host here in Denver at the time, at that time. Uh, I'm 51 years old, so I must have been, I don't know, let's see if this was 60, what year were we talking about, 64, 65 around there when they started having these, uh, when the monster kits came out, I think, and uh, I would have only been like, you know, one years old, two years old, so I was a little too young, but I do know that uh, we used to watch Creature Features with my father uh, when I was really young, I don't remember, I must have been maybe five, maybe six years old. And I don't remember any horror hosts. And I know there was one because somebody told me there was a horror host. It was a guy who did the clown, the morning show. It was, sort of, it was called Blinky. And he later on hosted the horror show, I guess, on Saturday evenings or Saturday nights for, for creature features. So I watched, you know, things like The Wolfman. I remember those very clearly. I remember watching Son of Frankenstein and a lot of those. So I remember, and I liked them. I liked them very much. And I never had nightmares. Nothing ever scared me. <laughs> but I really enjoyed those movies. So I watched a little bit of it, but 
I can't say that, no, I, I didn't make the kits. I did once do that. I won a, a prize when I was in fifth grade, so this was 1975, and they, I won one of the Aurora Monster kits, but it was a square boxed one that they had, and it was a Frankenstein, I remember, and I built that, but that was about, that was about it. So I remember. <laughs> I didn't really build. I think I was a little too young to be aware of them. To really get into it? Yeah, I was just too young. So, I was only, I, like I said, I think when they came out, there were 64, 65, I think, when those came mm-hmm. out. So I was only two, <laughs> two years old, just a little too young for that. And I know they, they, they continued with them, you know, as the line went on, you know, for a while. Uh, them making mm-hmm. those. But I, I didn't uh, I didn't really. I think I just had the Frankenstein I had. I still remember that one. I, I did put that one together as a kid. That was all I had, though. <laughs> But I love them now. I mean, I think they're they're wonderful, you know, great pieces, and uh, I, I wish I had, had been more involved. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can always catch up now. It's not like they went anywhere. Like, you still you can still find them somewhere, right? On oh, like eBay for the originals or the reissues, yeah. Oh, yeah. As a matter of fact, yeah, we had used some of them. Uh, we had Frank Winsper uh, for, uh, he's the, you know, the um, president for uh, Mobius Models. And uh, they had, when we released the, the first, because actually we did, we didn't have the full thing edited. We had another version of the Aurora Monsters uh, edited for the release at uh, Wonderfest. So what we did is we, le- we released just 100 copies. And with that, uh, Frank had actually made a special uh, Frankenstein monster, I think. And I think it glowed in the dark. It's just a little one. And, and you, when you bought the DVD, they, they gave you the uh, the little monster came with the little kit. So I don't know if there's a, any of them are still around or not, but... I never got one myself, but, but that's what he did. And it was really nice because we had actually had uh, the Mobius model uh, kit. We'd had interviewed, actually, Frank, and we talked about how they're still making those kits right now, you know, like the, you know, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde and all, all those things, you know. So actually, uh, they gave us, he gave us, you know, the Big Frankie, yeah, one of those. Oh, right, A right. couple of other ones, too. I can't remember the rest of them he gave us so that we could put in the movie to, to show and feature. And then I think the other one that we used is we actually had Mike Rutherford. Uh, he, he did a lot of painting for that. We we actually filmed a lot of his kits. And it was the ones that actually that um, – he's the actor, not Dan Roebuck, but the other guy. Um, he did, He's the one that was a sculpture. He did the sculpting. Was that Jeff Yeager? That's it, Jeff Yeager. Yes. That's it. Okay, he was Who's very that? happy when he saw the documentary because he said that he did a really good job of lighting those models. And those were painted, again, by, by uh, Rutherford, and those were the Jeff uh, Yeager uh, sculpts. And we shot, and yeah, we shot those actually in Rhode Island at, at Mike's house. And I, I photographed all those. I put color gels in there, and, and it took me six hours to shoot those things, to get the lighting and to get the position of the camera just the way they looked like in the model kits. To, to, and then we just rotated them, you know. And he said it, they looked really good, so I was very happy with that. <laughs> I tried to light them the way they did, you know. But I Because it was, again, based on James Bama's paintings, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's what he was trying to do, because he said that he was really disappointed when he opened up the model kit when he was a kid, thinking that, well, these don't look like the painting. So he decided to actually sculpt them to look like the painting. And so uh, when they actually made them, you know, they, they did look like the painting. But then I had the raw kit, but I had to light it now. So it was so I wanted to make it look as close as I could for, for the documentary. So I brought in all kinds of color gels, and we sat up there in Mike's living room, and, you know, and I spent six hours turning those things on a, on a turnstile and, and lighting them and everything. Because he had the, the paintings that he did on those, on those kits that, you know, Mike did were wonderful, did a really great job. 
Now, and I'm assuming now through working on things like the Witch's Dungeon and you know, our Monsters documentaries, you now have kind of rekindled or, or maybe even started a new love of these classic monster movies. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I would have to definitely say that's absolutely true. I mean, going to the conventions and, and talking to people, and, and we did, you know, we were there at the conventions, you know, like many people, you know, uh, Bailey Lugosi Jr., uh, Sarah Karloff, all these people and, and, and all the fans that were there and, you know, the people that were there, um, just talking to them, even like at Monster Bash with, you know, Ron Adams and all those people uh, at those shows were just wonderful, you know, and talking to Conrad Brooks, you're just going to fall in love with all the movies uh, and that's what I did, I just fell in love with it and just, yeah, you know, just jumped into it wholeheartedly and <laughs> I've never looked back. Can I put you on the spot and ask what some of your favorites are? Uh, my favorite, some of my favorite movies, um, things like The Alligator People, I like The Hideous Sun Demon, um, oh, wow. The Beast of Yucca Flat, She Creature, uh, Monster of Pieters Blancas, that's another one I really like. Um, oh, yeah. And I like some of the other ones, like the Mexican ones, like, you know, Night of the Bloody Apes and Brainiac, <laughs> uh, things like that. Attack of the 50-Foot Woman, Robot Monster, which is really great, you know, and we did interviews with, uh, with uh, when we were out in California with Bob Burns, and, and that was wonderful. I mean, you know, to go on there and see, uh, you know, his collection of things that he has there, you know, all the movies, that was just wonderful. So, yeah, I like, yeah, those are the kind of things I like. I love those kind of movies. I just fell in love with them, and <laughs> I want to make some of those movies. That's, that's why we did this. And I wanted to actually start off with something that was familiar to me, you know, instead of starting from scratch, I wanted to kind of capture the spirit of this film. So I thought, well, you know, why not do, um, and it's really not a directly, you know, this movie that I have, it's actually called The Cosmic Creature. And uh, it's just loosely based on Night Fright. It is, uh, okay. yeah, and I don't think we talked about that movie, that that's what I was doing, the, the remake with John Acar. It is Night Fright, right. 1967. That movie's in public domain. So I thought, why not? I mm-hmm. could start with something like that. And actually kind of give it a little bit more dimension, add, add some characters to it, and kind of do some things that I heard a lot of people didn't like about it. You know? And some of the things that, that I think the movie had problems with is that, I, I mean, first of all, I love that movie, you know, even with its, some of the faults that it has. But I thought some of the things that they did is that I think they kind of wrote something they couldn't achieve, they couldn't produce, because, you know, there was, there was supposed to be a rocket ship that crashes, you never see the rocket ship. It's supposed to be behind these trees. <laughs> You never see the cross rocket ship or anything. Uh, we're doing that. We're actually going to build, you know, a life size or roughly. It's going to be about two car lengths, I believe. It's we've got already plotted out that we're going to be building. So it's going to be you, know, you can see a crash rocket ship. You can actually see a rocket ship and uh, you know green screen, but we're going to have that in there. They were shooting day for night, you know, which you can see clearly. Yeah, that's true. That yeah. it was very un- over underexposed. Everything they did in, in, in the end product, you really can't even see the monster. So people complained a lot about that. You can't even see the creature, you know. Uh, so we're shooting this really at night, and we're going to be using you know <laughs> good lighting, and and we're going to try to do the best production we can on this. And, and we're adding more to it because a lot of what they did with with that movie, a lot of it's padded with you know John Agar walking around looking for the creature, looking for clues, and you know they're just padding it with time because they really didn't have enough material, I don't think. Uh, but this I've, mm-hmm. we've actually taken characters and we've given it more dimension, and uh, we're it's still basically. I gave the script actually to a friend of mine who's a script writer, and he looked at it. He'd seen the movie. He'd never seen it before, but he'd watched the movie, and then he'd read the script, and he said, you know, that it was a close imaging of that movie. So even though that it's not the same story, 
if you've seen this movie, you can you can definitely tell it's the same. Basically, it's the same movie. But I've added, like I said, a few more characters to kind of give it a little bit uh, more depth to it. But it's basically they're all there. And I actually even haven't changed the name. I'm using the same names that were in the other movie of the characters. So, yeah. I noticed that when I was looking at your Facebook page that you do have a Sheriff Clint Crawford mm-hmm. as one, as your lead, I suppose, in, in the film, which was John Agar's character in Night Fright. For our listeners who don't know much about Night Fright, as you said, it is a public domain film. It's kind of a smaller movie. It's a it's a lower budget affair, and yeah, it's pretty dark in spots because they did shoot day for night, and it doesn't quite work in terms of the monster reveal at the end. This is in the late '60s, so you know we definitely want to see the monster. They're not trying to hide it as much, and yeah, it's not as visible as I suppose we'd like. And it sounds like, based on what you're saying and based on what I've seen on your Facebook page for the movie, you're definitely making sure the monster is worth seeing. I've seen a sculpture. Can you tell me about that? Oh uh, yeah, it's, and that's very important. I mean, you know, I mean, as monster fans, we, we you know, mon- the monster is important to us. You know, that's why we watch because you know that's why we collect them. I mean, I have sculptures of, of uh, all those movies myself because I want them, you know, we, we want them. So mm-hmm. I spend time. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was very important to make sure that that monster, you know, is going to look decent or at least some thoughts been put into it. You know, not everybody's going to like the monster I created, but uh, since I know that he was a mutation, you know, from, I think it was supposed to be 40 species, if you watch the movie, 40 species that have, have fused together from the cosmic you know, rays of the, of the sun, and of course the ship crashes onto Earth, and then of course he's this this mutant that goes on and uh, terrorizes a small town. And so it was my vision of, of in the sculpture. If you if you go on the Facebook page, I have that's only the bust. I actually have started to create the rest of the monster, and I'm not revealing that yet. And the reason I don't want to reveal is I figure I can reveal some of it, but not all of it. And that's sort of an argument. And I, I mean, something that I had to give some thought to because I asked friends. I go, what do you think of, you know, like the way Universal was? They would, you know, they were so secretive about the creature from the Black Lagoon, you know, keeping it under wraps. They don't want to feel the monster till you actually release it. And I thought, I don't know if I want to do that, you know, because if it's a monster movie and you're talking about it, people want to see the monster, you know? So I figured I could at least reveal the head, you know, what it'll look like. But the rest of it, I'm, I'm keeping that closed. But it just basically, it looks a little bit kind of like an octopus, uh, you know, turned around the other way. And he kind of has, uh, he kind of looks like a wolf. And at the same time, he looks like a bat, and he's got a lot of fur on him. You know, it just that's kind of what he is. But he's going to be film fabricated. I have the actor that's going to be doing that. I've only cast actually three principal actors for this uh, so far. I have not cast the rest of my actors yet. But I've, uh, the guy that's going to be playing the monster is a guy named uh, Jason Lechek, and he's like six four. So we're going to actually even give him a little bit more height. But we're building the, his uh, foam fabrication costume, and it's working on that already. And uh, he's going he's gonna to look good, I think. So the sculpt that you see in the covered art, the episode image of this episode of Monster Kid Radio, is the sculpt of the monster that Dennis put on the Facebook page for The Cosmic Creature. It's facebook.com slash The Cosmic Creature. No spaces. Again, there will be a link in the show notes, but it's pretty easy to find if you're on Facebook. He gave us permission to go ahead and use an image of that sculpt, of that bust, as the episode image. I think it looks pretty cool. It's got this kind of wolf snout with, like he said, tentacles kind of running back. And depending on which side of the face you're looking at, you can't really tell how many eyes it has. It's really kind of a unique 3D rendering of 
well, a crazy mutated monster. So I'm excited for this movie. I really hope that it happens. And I really hope that you come back in a couple of days to hear more about what Dennis has planned for this. You know, we keep calling it a remake, but this film inspired by the John Agar film Night Fright. I want to thank Dennis for taking the time out of his weekend to record with us here on Monster Kid Radio and really appreciate his flexibility. We set up a time and then I had to reschedule it and just I really appreciate him taking some time out of his business and personal life to make this happen. And I appreciate the beloved invaders for letting us play their music on this episode of Monster Kid Radio. Again, we're going to be playing the song that actually appears in the film performed by the beloved invaders in the next episode of Monster Kid Radio. So I hope that you come back for that. I hope you come back for part two of our chat with Dennis Vincent. I hope you come back to find out if you want a copy of Argo Man, the fantastic Superman, provided by Dorado Films. And I hope you remember now and always that John Agar rules. Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio, LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio, LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0, unported license. Of course, that does not apply to the song Tamarindo that belongs to the Beloved Invaders. It's from their album, Tamarindo. You can find it at their website, thebelovedinvaders.com. It appears with their permission on this episode of Monster Kid Radio. Talk to you in a couple of days. Thank mm-hmm. you.